This is Joshua Bell with The Kilt and the Cloth. This was my sermon from February 13th. I hope you enjoy, and God bless. The Gospel lesson this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. He came down with them and stood with, uh, on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. So just to get, the, get it out of the way, this is a fancy, it's not a fancy term. Makarios in Greek just literally means blissful or happy. And this is, uh, as you all recognize, this is Luke's understanding of the Beatitudes. And it's all happy until right there at the end. And then it goes for blessed are this to woe to all of you heathens. Which sounds like something I would have said. Matthew's we know. It's the one that everybody preaches from. It's the one that gets all of the art taken care of. It's the one that you see on t-shirts and posters and all kinds of note cards and greeting cards. But Luke's, no, we don't ever really read him. He starts out just the same as Matthew. And he does the blessed are the, you know, because they shall be the whatever. And characteristic of Matthew's version, Luke juxtaposes the series of oh me's and oh my's. The teaching falls into three stages. The happy, the disciple who is blessed, and the warnings to the rich and self-promoting. And just to kind of make it fun, which we didn't read, is the response to the word found in verses 27 through 30. Now, Luke, his audience is completely different than the Gospel of Matthew. We tend to believe that Matthew is most likely written around 80 CE, or in that aspect, shortly after the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem. 
And we know that there's pain involved with the Gospel of Matthew. And so when you read the Beatitudes, there's a, there's a sense of urgency for people to find the peace and hope in God because everything that they've known has been destroyed right there in their very eyes. And recently, most academic theological scholars start to put Luke a little bit further, maybe closer to 90, or maybe even after the year 100. Why? Because there's institutional things that are happening such as a recognition of woe to those that are rich. For they've received their consolation. Matthew makes a big deal about how he does these things. Specifically, he talks about uh, things that are in spirit or in righteousness. Whereas in the Gospel of Luke, the blessings are a little bit more from the, uh, from the book of Psalms, chapter 1, or Jeremiah, chapter 17. Not only does the terrain change from mountaintop. Remember Matthew says that they got on the side of a mountain. You all remember my sermon when I came back from Israel? And the very first thing is I told you about my grumpy day. I got to be on the sermon of the, uh, the, the place where they did the sermon on the Beatitudes. And the nun came out yelling at people, basta, basta, which just means shut up in Italian. You all remember that? Yeah, I do. It was very, very clear in my mind that I couldn't enjoy the Sermon on the Mount because that's from the Gospel of Matthew. And everybody was being too noisy. And I just wanted to sit at the Sea of Galilee, which I got to see for 30 minutes. Not that I'm bitter. Luke's audience is much different than the Gospel of Matthew, contrary to popular belief. And it's much briefer than Matthew's. So let's look at the differences just for a second as we continue to talk about this. The blessings in Matthew, uh, he, let's, let's just go through them. The blessings to the poor in spirit, those that mourn, uh, those that hunger after righteousness, those are merciful, those that are pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted, and then he repeats this, and that are reviled and persecuted. And defamed on Jesus' account. See, so Matthew is lifting up this audience in such a way that says all of those that do these things, it's, it's a good thing to be <laughs> defamed because of what you believe. And then there's Luke. I just want to make sure I got this right. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in the Gospel of Matthew. Here's Luke's. Blessed are the poor. Blessed that are those that weep now. Blessed those that are hated or hunger now. That's a, that's a little bit different. There's three. And he does say this is the difference. This is a major difference. If we look at it from the first century, all of a sudden he, Luke adds the phrase hated, excluded, and reviled. And defamed. And no, not, not defamed, demeaned. So now, as they continue to breathe believers in Jesus Christ, now it's a bad thing. Not just being defamed. Oh, those are those Christians. It's now the language has changed to, oh, it's those Christians. Then all of a sudden, the woes become something extremely bad. Luke is blunt. He's certainly less spiritualized. 
And at the end of his Beatitudes section, he, it's, it's a complete reversal of fortunes for the rich and the poor, the powerful and the powerless, the fool, the full and the empty. I want to talk to you a little bit about their churches. Matthew's church just has a sign along the side of the road. Hey, come check this out. You know, they're walking along and they all sit down on the side of a mountain and they're all just collectively there. It's a sign that says something like what Tom Hall would call the St. Matthew's Church of the Poor in Spirit. It's Beatitude Sunday, maybe the sign says. And upon entering, we hear their favorite Aramaic gospel and singing Blessed Assurance. Now the, the sermon, now the, the preacher, Tom Hall says, Matthew would first set the contest and, and set, tells us the story begins on top of this mountain. And it should trigger everyone's memories about mountains, like mountains are the places where God comes to people and where Abraham was and, and, and then where Moses was. And there's always a mountain in the Hebrew Bible, so everyone knows that when you come to Beatitude Sunday at the Church of St. Matthew, there's a mountaintop experience. And instead of hearing the phrase, thou shalt not, you hear things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know, you remember these sermons. Now let's skip over Matthew's church, because we've read Matthew's church a lot. And let's look at what Luke's church might look like, just to get it in context. If Matthew's church is located up a mountain, somewhere in the mountains, then Luke's church might be found in Detroit, or London, or Sydney, or even Calcutta, where there's lots of people. Tom Hall says, imagine for the sake of comparison, a Luke congregation as it begins in worship. We are struck immediately by the stark difference. This congregation, I love this image, worships in a huge warehouse, long since abandoned by the Campbell Soup Company. And it's been patched up and used by urban groups of Christians. He continues to say that it's struck by the ethnicity of the congregation. You've got Parthians and Medes and Elamites and Phrygians. It, it's a whole melting pot. While on the front doors, the latex letters splatter across the, gas, the glass front, the outer walls of the church still retain the graffiti. And, and even the church name is intriguing. It's different than the church of Matthew. It says, instead of the church of the poor spirit, Luke's just simply says, the church of the poor, because they ran out of money to put the letters on. They most likely made use of the entire warehouse like you see. They, they probably had their AA groups and their Al-Anon groups, and, and there probably several retired teachers helped the Campbell Soup employees retool their lives and job training programs and Yet another room is filled with dry goods and baby food. I mean, worship even feels different in Luke's church. People are still arriving when Luke stands up to preach on Beatitude Sunday. 
when he starts off, when he says, you're blessed when you've lost it all. God's kingdom is here for the finding. You're blessed when you're ravenously hungry and Thanksgiving dinner is, is coming. You're blessed when the tears flow freely and joy is going to come with the morning. I always loved that image. I don't know why it is that somehow in the culture we came up with this idea that crying is a bad thing. I never understood this. If we weren't allowed to cry, if God didn't want us to have the ability to cry, we wouldn't have been born with tear ducts. How else are you supposed to feel the Holy Spirit wash over you in the moments of grief and pain? How are you supposed to know that the Holy Spirit exists without moments of tears? Luke's church would then continue to say, count yourself blessed every time, every time someone cuts you down or throws you out, every time someone smears your name to discredit Jesus. The church would then say, you be glad, hear me? You need to skip like a child, if you like, because, well, all heaven applauds you. Okay, so there's a few differences like stomach-numbing hunger instead of spiritual hunger in the Gospel of Matthew and shameful poverty instead of spiritual poverty. Now, we've all heard this sermon before, but the difference is, is right as you're getting ready to leave, the usher tells you to sit back down and very gently says, the preacher's not done yet. And then with a big baritone voice at full throttle, Luke shouts with a tinge of anger in his voice, but how miserable for you who are rich, for you have had all your comforts. How miserable for you who have all you want, for you are going to be hungry. Can you hear it? Right. And he's got to do the... How miserable for you who are laughing now. For you will know sorrow and tears. How miserable for you when everybody says nice things about you. For that is exactly how their fathers treated the false prophets. But we're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to find moments of hopeless blessables in our life. It's in that place that we follow Jesus' lead as teacher and comforter. When we feel as though the world is coming after us and everything seems to be falling apart, Luke's gospel gives us a moment of hope. It's not that Matthew's doesn't, you see, but the audience is closer to us. It's different. How do you get to go out into the world and concretize the gospel for those around you? Who would you regard as the most 
unfortunate people around you. You see the audience at this time would said, well, it would have been the elites. They're so despicable they can't even see the love of God smack dab in their face. And face. How do we find comfort in this moment? How are we supposed to feel the love of God? You can hear this voice. When Rome has its boot heel on my head. And then you hear the Gospel of Luke say, even in the midst of this, God is still presence. And we must live the life of Makarios. Filled with bliss and happiness, so much so that it fills our entire being, even when the world sees anger and upsetness. That joy gives me breath and guides my journey of faith. You can hear their voices if you listen softly. If you listen hard enough, you can find yourself in the midst of that and join with those churches. You have the opportunity to feel the blessings and to recognize the woes for what they are. If you look at them carefully, they're the things that keep us stuck in the world of humans, not in the world of God's. It makes us question what we value. It makes us question what we put in front of us. Some preachers might even say that when you do this, you can, you can start to see what is the priority in their life by looking at their checkbook. I think that's a little bit harsh, but there's some truth to that. All of a sudden, it begins us an opportunity to recognize that we have been blessed to be blessings for others. And when we take that joy out into the world, it's given back to us tenfold. So let us go into the world and sing joyful noises unto the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.